0: Hello and welcome to Locked on Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. And don't forget to follow me, of course, on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Subscribe to the pod. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Why not? It's a daily pod. Five episodes a week. And like I've teased out this week, it is stacked. Loaded. This lineup is, is absolutely banging. So welcome to the Wednesday episode. Kenny is back in the hot seat. It's been a few weeks, brother, no doubt. But how are we doing?
1: I'm doing good. I'm ready to let loose. I've have, I've pent up. I've been tweeting mostly dolphin stuff, so I've pent up rage about the Marlins that I'm trying to get it. off my chest.
0: I knew it, mate. I knew it. It's so funny because I I, I texted Ethan Badowski last week and went, Ethan, you want to go on a lockdown? He just replied saying, Pete, I've been waiting for this message for weeks, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I feel like you were in a similar spot. I knew you kind of start to flick the Dolphins stuff, right? You know, I know, I know it's getting into dolphin season. Your content's turning, and I was like, I need to get Kenny before he's fully lost. I mean, I know you're still following the game, so you know, let's just kind of touch on that. You as a fan, um, you, you you follow multiple sports, you know, I know you love the marlins. How are you finding it now, like in terms of enjoying the content you know, if that is the right uh choice of words, let's say.
1: You mean the content of the Marlins or Yeah, the Marlins, baby.
0: Are <laughs> you still in?
1: <laughs> it's I, 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 I came there's always a point, right, like a breaking point for all fans, and mm-hmm. us Marlins fans know that, where it just reaches a point where you're like, you know what, this year's a wash, nothing's happening, and it can't, that was the series against the Phillies that we got swept right before the All-Star break, yeah. that was kind of that, right, because we, we were hanging in there with the Pirates, and we were, oh, we're right there, and then we just got... Washed by the Phillies, we come back from the All Star break and we're barely hanging in there with like these teams that aren't even trying to actively win baseball games. Mm. They're not putting out teams to win games. They're trying to get into the lottery, get better picks, all this stuff. So that moment is kind of where it broke for me. And now, since I'm in that for like my my the, where my brain power is going, the stuff I'm really focusing on is like Dolphins football. I'm trying to learn the ins and outs of the roster, the the whole offense, everything they're doing. So I'm just kind of I'm almost like in this optimistic can't be bothered phase with the marlins where i'm just Mm -hmm. checking i check the box score and i'm like oh we lost three nothing what do you know and then i just put the phone (laughs) down move forward with my day oh (laughs) yesterday we won three nothing sandy's gonna win cy young that has me ecstatic let's keep it going that's my horse dong dace i love him and uh, and we're moving forward. oh Bladé hit a home run that's great that's where i'm at right now the good news i go on twitter check the highlights read it if the game's on i put it on in the background but to say i'm here like like, oh, my God, the offense can't score. Like, I've done enough of that already. I've had meltdown <laughs> after meltdown on Twitter. I can't be, you know, I, I can't be bothered at this point. They are what they are. On to next season. And let's, uh, let's see what they
0: do, you know? Let's roll. The funny thing is, is this offense, it's been so historically and statistically bad at different times of the year for different reasons that we've had. I I think I've counted at least three meltdowns specifically linked to the offense right now we're in the mire of haven't been able to score more than three runs for a historical period prior to that they were shut out for a a historical number of innings in a row and maybe there was one run losses or something earlier in the year that was historic as well and blown saves i don't know so this this team has been quite funny in some ways to watch this year because it's just been historically bad Is it's is there anything that you could put your finger on, though, mate? If you were going to sit back and go, this has been the problem with the fish. I mean, there's probably too many to, to list off. But if you could think of like one or two that like stand out to you, where, where's your head leaning leaning towards with this team? Because it's just it's gone so bad so quickly. I just don't understand how it's happened.
1: The I think the just the, there's two things that I I think this team right because I could take the easy answer and the answer I really like believe it's just that it all went wrong in in the offseason like Mm. they didn't they just didn't make the moves necessary to make this a playoff team Mm. everyone was citing the improvements that like fan graphs and projections were giving us but even those projections weren't saying playoffs they were saying 80 wins tops like that's not like we were we were hanging banners. I made a literal Photoshop of a banner that said 80 win projection. Like like that's not like something to celebrate that you're getting no. 80 wins. That's not like what the goal is here. The goal is to win a championship, and we're celebrating being like eight games out of a wild card race. That, that was the what we were celebrating. I I I, I in the offseason I said, you know, Garcia, Soler, Stallings, Wendell, great acquisitions. They're very fine, but none of them collectively they move the needle just this much. We didn't go for the whale, the Brian Reynolds, the Cedric Mullins, the Byron Buxton, they all for different reasons, mm-hmm. right? Not saying they didn't try, but those were the things that would have oomph, pushed us to the edge and at least made us close to a playoff team, right? So yeah. that's my quick answer. The offseason went on. My more like, nuanced answer as to why it's this bad, right? Because yeah. it shouldn't be this bad. It shouldn't it's be. Because Garcia, who is has a career of inconsistent production, right? But When you look at his career numbers, He should be performing way better than this. he's having his worst year ever. Mm. Stallings. I mean, the audacity of this guy to start becoming Johnny bench the past two weeks when we're out of it is insane. (laughs) The fact that every time I see a tweet of that, he's the best catcher in baseball the past three weeks, Alex Ferrer, my boy, one of my best friends on Twitter, he Mm. tweeted it out. And I was like, this, this mother, I can't believe he's doing this now. I can't believe he's, he's hitting like, like, like prime buster, Posey, Pudge Rodriguez, Now, like Mm. the moment we got swept by the Phillies, he was like, it's go time. It's time for me to put on my mask (laughs) and and turn back into what I was. So he's screwing with me now. Right. Like you you hope now that hopefully he can do that next year. But I don't care now. Like you, 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 you stabbed me in the heart too many times. Mm. Jorge Soler, he did what he usually does, I guess. It's low 200s. Hits bombs. He's still like second on the team in home runs, I think. (laughs) Like he gets he got hurt. And and just, that's where it kind of went, right? Wendell's been the only one that's showed any semblance of being a good ball player. And for when it mattered, when it mattered, yeah. Yeah. Garcia, Soler, and Stallings did not show up. And that's that's what it comes down to. Am I saying if they showed up, we'd be in the playoffs? No. Would it be more entertaining? Would we be a better team? Could we have possibly been buyers at the deadline? Maybe. Maybe. I, I, would we have made the playoffs? Probably not. Would we have been more entertaining and been a better offense have been a watchable product? 100%. And that's that's what it comes down to. You know, Garcia went and reverted back to a horrendous form times two. let couldn't... I never thought it was smart to give a guy an $18 million option coming off a World Series MVP performance. Mm. Like, just... Because of that half of the year. When you look at his numbers, by the way, from last year, he's still a negative win player. So it's just hilarious that we signed the guy based off like 30, 40 good games with the
0: Braves and then a crazy playoff run.
1: But, you know, last, here panic we are. Panic move,
0: panic move, mate. You, you you can't get the deal done with Marte. So it's like, oh boy, we, we better do something else. Yeah, there could be the answer. And, and in the end, they've just sunk themselves, I think. And two,
1: two of the players I really, like, again... You look far back enough. And there were tweets of me saying, I think Garcia would be like a good signing for the Marlins. Mm. I didn't expect it to be four years. I didn't expect it to be that much money. And I didn't expect it to be this bad. Neither did the Marlins, right? Nobody expected Garcia to be this bad. No, I, I, two of the guys I really wanted were Marte, but you know, I, they did get outbid by the most lunatic rich owner in sports. And like that, that's what Steve Cohen does. Like he just if you, you, he he reads Twitter and then the fans are like, Go get this guy, and he's like, I'll go get him. And he just <laughs> writes a blank check. They got Marcana, who Marcana's been phenomenal for them. They've had injury like injuries go their way offensively. Like they've kept a lot of the guys healthy. Pete Alonso's having a tremendous year. So it's worked out for them. They they caught lightning in a bottle and it's worked out for them. They're getting guys back marlins it's been the opposite they, they tried to catch lightning in a bottle and it's the glass broke and the lightning struck them like it's it just had really to work did.
0: really did you hit on it though mate because the end of the day we're going into the the new season i i mean i definitely did it it was day after day where the marlins made some moves it was like it was amazing i'd just taken on this pod i was like wow daily podcast. Next thing is, the man start making moves every day. I was like waiting for the news to drop. Wendell, bang. Stalin, bang. Avi Garcia, bang. I was like, whoa, here we go. Fish are doing things. But they all of those, like, if, you know, apart from Wendell perhaps, but all of those guys have just gone backwards. And, and like that's the problem. Just collectively, they've all gone backwards. Like Donnie was saying, the big boys have got to go. And literally the big boys just weren't <laughs> going. They haven't been going all year. And... It's funny that they tried to convert themselves into... Because when I think back to that 2020 year, it's funny, right? Because the the way the team and the roster was constructed, it was just like all speed guys everywhere. Do you remember? Everyone was running wild on the bases. Monte, Mags, yep, Prince, yep. Birdie. This team now was then to... They tried to go power-heavy, slug-heavy, I think. They wanted to hit the bombs. Problem is, no bombs have arrived. And now you've just got a slow, cumbersome team that hasn't isn't hit any home runs, and it's got a ton of money owed to it now, so... It's kind of gone sideways quick. Is Kim Ang under under pressure now at this point or is it too early for that?
1: Oh, 100%. It's it's never too early. It's, <laughs> this is, it's it's you you but and that's the unfortunate like circumstances of her job, right? Like let's be honest. We're not a big fan base. We're not the loudest no. fan base. We're probably like the quietest fan base if we're being 100% honest there's not people in new york people would be outside kim ang's house right now if they had this record with this roster with mm-hmm. signs saying like get the hell out of here you know what yeah, i mean like yeah. it, in miami it's the urgency from the media and other fan base in general it's not the media's fault it's it's although they feel it they feel they know they're a bad team because they look into the crowd every night and and it's like it's mm-hmm. Let's just say they're not having any fire hazards because of a capacity at Marlins Park. Like there's no they don't have that issue. They they don't have to evacuate people in a rush. They could just let them walk out if there was a fire, because there's like 10 people at the stadium. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, like this podcast, you know, Craig Mish, it's honest, right? You have mm-hmm. people like me on, you you have people like Craig on, you have people that are gonna speak the truth and say they suck. The moves they made suck, they're not operating with any sense of urgency, and we're all pissed off. They know we're mad. They, they, yeah. They've they read my tweets. I know that for sure. They've read your tweets. There's players that have me blocked. I know there's cliques within the Marlins organization that hate me, that hate you, that hate Craig, and that's just the way it is, right? They know they stink. They know there's pressure. Let's let's Absolutely. get that out of the way. Absolutely. Uh, Jeter's gone. Um, Dembo's gone. Mm-hmm. Who else do you look to? You I look guess, at Kim Ang. I guess Kim's next in line. Look at Kim Ang, and there's no one else. You can look at at, at DJ, whatever his name is, who who drafts players, but I, I at this point the Marlins don't develop. They don't sign well. They don't sign good players that are gonna perform. So what do they do Rip? Really? Nothing. Bruce Sherman hasn't really opened up his pockets. His 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 grand move, his grand finale, his last magic trick was to spend 20 million on obviously Garcia and Jorge Soler. That was it. That, that was your big old move, buddy. That's what you did to get us from like dead last to 27th in baseball and payroll. And you expect me to like, yeah, baby season tickets. Let's go. Let's pack this place. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. I, I Bruce Sherman, Kim Ang, both on the hot seat for me. Like, you know, but Bruce Sherman, what's he going to do? He, he doesn't care. Like he's the owner. He there's as the owner, The reason why you have his general manager and all these things is to kind of deflect blame anyways. But the truth is, if you're not opening up your pockets, K-Mang is working with a, a, like, she's already working at a disadvantage Hmm. if this is the budget she's been given. You know, who knows if K-Mang was the general manager of the Yankees and had a blank check, maybe she would cook. Maybe she would have put together a World Series team. But we won't ever know, I guess, unless
0: Bruce opens up his, his pockets. We we won't because I think it's unlikely, but I do have a question queued up. It's one of our mailbag questions that I, I wanted to get your take on. I think this was a, a fun one. I have to say, appreciate the listeners firing up these questions. So we're gonna we're gonna take a an optimistic view. Um let me just cue this question up here because it was it was definitely a good one. And it was from uh who is it from? It was from Cal Hoops at Calhoops. He's saying, if you're the GM, and he's saying, if you're the GM Takes were made, and the ownership suddenly said, Bruce said, We're going to spend 200 million a year. What are your moves? So, all of a sudden, Bruce Sherman says, Right, that's it. I've had enough. This team stinks. It has to be better. You've got the checkbook now, baby. Go and fill your boots. Talk me through it, brother. Isn't it crazy? It's a 200 million.
1: And I think right now they sit somewhere like low 80 or something like that. So, realistically, realistically i could go out and say there's a distraught superstar who's having an mvp season in new york uh aaron judge and uh trey turner are uh, free agents and i could realistically go sign them and still have room to spend like another 60 70 million on players that's how low <laughs> our payroll is right now if you Crazy. wanted me to get really into it right i mean i guess i would start with that i would i would try and bring trey turner in and aaron judge in if i had those 200 million because i wouldn't be making a dent their needle movers, if there ever was one, Correct. you know, I would. I'm like, I'm looking here, you know. Dansby Swanson's going to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. JD Martinez, if you want to bring him in on a two-year, or three-year deal, he's a little older. Uh, Trey Mancini, Josh Bell, you know, try and bring all those guys in on reasonable deals again. I'm a fan. I don't have to operate within like these like realms of of possibility and logic like the owners do. So yeah. I'm going to say, bring me Aaron Judge, bring me Josh Bell, bring me Trey Turner, bring me JD Martinez, and let's get cooking. And bring me whatever the best closer is on the market. And and I, I still think that wouldn't be 200 million. No, <laughs> that's how. That's I how don't low, think it would. I, it that's wouldn't. how low our payroll is because you're talking about for those guys. You might be talking those four guys, you might that would be a hundred million, which would put us at 180, still 20 million to go build a, a pretty decent bullpen, if you ask me.
0: I'm completely with you. Mate, I love it. Um, can I I just wanted to say on one of those names specifically, I actually think that there's a realistic situation where the Marlins go and make it happen. Not with Trey Turner, because I just can't see Trey Turner at all. It's not happening. Not with Dansby Swanson. Josh Bell, however, the reason being. This whole first base conundrum, as it, from a position where you've got multiple players blocked and issues going on and no one can get playing time, all of a sudden now, Aguilar's gone. They're not going to pay him $10 million next year. They aren't, and that's the end of Aguilar. And they shouldn't, yeah. And they please. shouldn't. No, absolutely they shouldn't. Cooper Loop, we'll wait and see. One final year of, of arbitration for him, I believe. You know, he's not a great first baseman. Lewin Diaz, sexy glove. <laughs> Sexy glove, but problem is you need the big stick. Big stick is not playing. Yeah, I think there's a you know there's a need here for the fish. All of a sudden, I can't believe I'm saying this. That actually there's a need at first base, and I think Josh Bell fits the brief. What about you? I I actually thought about this a lot beforehand
1: because I wanted to talk about this, like because we've we've now pivoted towards this uh this discussion about like the only way the Marlins can get bats is through trade. And that's sad to hear because mm-hmm. we're 27th in the league in payroll. And for a normal team that's willing to spend money yeah. there, you can spend money to get players, right? You can spend, yeah. you'd probably have a budget of 30 to 40 million to spend on players going into this off season. You yeah. were, you're not left where now, like, look, Alex tweeted out the other day. He's like, I can see them trading Sandy in a year and a half if they're not going to spend money. And people are like upset about it, but it's also true. Like if they're not going to spend the money, someone's going to get moved. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's why you're hearing about Pablo Lopez being traded to get a bat, to get a bat. We need a bat. And it's going to be one of those things where you fix one hole on a ship and then water starts coming out the other end. You're going to trade Pablo, get a bat, and then our rotation is going to suffer. And yeah. then we're going to trade that back at a pitcher. And it's just going to be in a loop unless you spend money to fix certain things. So with that being said, back to your point, Josh Bell is going to be 31 next year, halfway through the year. He just turned 30. He's having a crazy good season, right? Switch hitting first baseman, Decent glove. Hits like crazy. Yeah. Has always hit really good. Yeah. I once was an MVP candidate. He's... Let's be honest. I, I see this as a... Kind of like a Marte-Garcia situation. I see us getting bid for, for Bell. Mm. And it's not because... The, he, the Marlins will offer... You'll hear about it. Craig Mish and... And Barry Jackson will release a, a good article saying, you know, the Marlins tried their hardest. They offered him, you know, fourteen million a year, but ultimately, you know, they were outbid by the White Sox or by the Rangers or someone for eighteen million a year. Marlins didn't want to go that high, so now yeah. they pivot in another direction, yeah. right? And I looked at it, and I think I see someone. I'm going to make a bold prediction oh, later baby. on, in, uh, but right before we log off, right? Oh, but <laughs> but uh, spoiler for one, right now. And I see this being the range, and some people might not like it. I actually don't think it's the worst, but I can see it backfiring. I also didn't think obviously Leo Garcia would be the worst, and look how that turned out. Jose Abreu is a free agent with the with the White Sox. The guy's always hit, mm-hmm. always hit. He has like one fifty, like WRC plus right now. Always been a hitter. Look at his stats up and down every year. Been a stud at first base. Okay. He's 36 years old at the end of the season. He fits the mold because the Marlins don't want to commit to a seven, six, eight year contract plus or anything like that. Jose Abreu is not going to get that because he's old. He's probably going to get a two to three year deal in the 10 to 12 million a year range or something like that. Mm-hmm. Here on Sport Track, it says 9.1 million AAV is what he's looking at. Tell me that the Marlins aren't salivating at the thought of a, a guy who's always hit and that cheap for that little years is what he'd probably be getting. A Cuban coming to Miami, helps fill out the stands. What what am I sounding like right here? Jorge Soler. And it's the same exact thing. Rather than getting the Nick Castellanos five years, 100 million, the Kyle Schwarber four years, 80, 70, whatever million he got, mm. they got Soler. It's backfired. Jose Abreu fits that mold in terms of contract. I'm sure they'd prefer if he was younger, but you can't change the guy's age. No. Right? Now, am I saying I would hate it? No. I mean, what is it? You look at his number. Look at his fangraphs page. There's nothing that tells you that he's going to regress. But we we know our luck. (laughs) <laughs> that guy's going to put on He's going to stand on the stage With Jorge Soler and Sandy Alcantara They're going to hand him the jersey They're going to take the sweet old picture And he's going to step in And two months into the year I'm going to be tweeting how I wish Jose Abreu Was back in Chicago And why the hell did we sign this guy I hate his ponytail on his goatee What is wrong with him And all this stuff, right? But that's just the luck that we have as fans
0: You got to roll bold the prediction,
1: dice My bold prediction I'll just say it right now Yeah, I think that it's inevitable that uh Kevin Kiermaier will be our center fielder opening day next year.
0: Oh baby. So Kiermaier is locked in in center field. Abreu's at first base. Cooper they, Luke they is fit the mold. Uh, I they guess. So. Just,
1: they I just get so. the mold to me of what they like, not what we need. Let me make mm. that clear. I don't think mm-hmm. they fit the mold of what we need. If it was me, like get Aaron judge, get Trey Turner and let's call it an off season. But the money they like to give out, we've seen it, right? The lot, the, Biggest deal the Marlins have given out was obviously Alio Garcia's four year, 53 million. Everything they like to do is in that four, three, two year mil, uh, range yeah. and within an AAV of like 12 or less, 13 or less. They're not going to break the bank. They're not going to give out a $200 million contract. And that's kind of what we're looking at. When I looked at Spotrack and I saw that Kevin Kiermeyer is a free agent, you know, he's got a club option. He's turning 33. And we know that the Rays don't like to hold on to guys too long. No. All I'm saying is, They're gonna say we you know, I can I can I just I'm having PTSD. I picture Kim Ang on uh let's say mid April joining the broadcast in the sixth inning of like a three-nothing game. We're losing. And she says, yeah, you know, we we just felt like Kevin Kiermeyer, a guy with a ton of experience. He's hit well in his career. Uh, you know, plays very, very great defense, you know, and we we felt like he could have a resurgence with the bat down here as he's hitting 120 and striking out at 40%. It just it just fits in my head. It just fits in my little fake head
0: see it coming a mile off. Um, let's get into the first ad of the day, and uh, there's some there's some interesting ads here. They're all linked to alcohol uh, in some ways, so they're interesting ads for me as well, no doubt about it, and the first one, it's our guys over at Liver Health Formula, and it's by Pure Health Research. So, if, if you have an overworked liver, I love that phrase, overworked <laughs> liver. I certainly do, no doubt about it. It's now easy to rejuvenate your liver health and reignite your metabolism. Liver Health Formula contains eight liver-boosting super nutrients like turmeric beets and artichoke extract, all of which work together to wake up a sluggish liver. There you go, another great phrase. Overworked liver and a sluggish liver. (laughs) Absolutely love this one. Turn it into a toxin-flushing and fat-burning machine. No more bloated belly, need that. No more uncomfortable digestion. No more feeling tired and low on energy all the time. And best of all, Liver Health Formula makes it easier to maintain a healthy body weight long-term, no short-term gains, long-term for it. As a listener of Locked On Marlins, you can try Liver Health Formula risk-free today and get a free bottle of CurbFit with your order. CurbFit, what is that? Well, it's a safe and all-natural appetite suppressant, so it makes it easy to say no to naughty foods. This makes it the perfect complement to Liver Health Formula. So, where do you go? What have you got to do? Pretty simple, guys. You go to, it's all one word now, Get Liver GetLiverHelp.com dot com slash MLB to learn more again that's get dot com slash MLB to try liver health formula completely risk-free claim your free bottle of Curb fit with your order reminder get dot com forward slash MLB to get started now that was a stunning ad I absolutely love that one and I feel like I should give it a try I definitely do because the the beer and wine consumption has been high with this marlin season, no doubt. Yes, yes. No, <laughs> no doubt it has been high. Um, but it is what it is. So, I love that. I think you know, going back to the question itself, what would you do with two hundred million? The fact is, for the fish, the reality is, it's never going to get to that stage for whatever reason, yeah. and they have to get better at drafting and developing dudes. And some of their trade activities too. Like I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see where they go. What was your take on the deadline itself, mate? Because to come out of that deadline in a team that looked like it was in serious trouble, to make just one move, I found very interesting and puzzling. If I'm completely honest with you, the fact that it was just Anthony Bass, Zach Pop for a you know a, a prospect that may or may not work out at shortstop. Like it felt like at this point, at this juncture, the Marlins needed to be active because. There's a ton of dudes reaching their final year now. And, you know, it felt like we just kind of sat there and wait to see what happened. I don't know. It just felt a bit strange that the Marlins were just so inactive. What was your take on it?
1: It, it's, I, I, I got, I kind of have a weird, like I'm not upset about, you know what I mean? Like I wish obviously it was more exciting, right? You always want to be excited when you're a Mm. fan of a team like the Marlins. That's all we want really. We do. But if, if, the trade didn't present itself for Pablo Lopez then it was right to hold on to him you have so many years of control and there's no rush to trade him now do I wish maybe they would have traded some prospects for a bat sure but it didn't look like they were in any position to do so well were they going to trade for Soto they weren't going to do that (laughs) you know look the Cubs I I found what the Cubs did more like head scratching just holding on to Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras like Mm. like I don't know what's going on over there are they going to hold on to them or are they going to trade them it's that's a weird situation agreed the Marlins it just seems like nothing presented itself in terms of a great offer for Pablo or for Cooper I thought maybe they would package Bass and and pablo or and cooper or something like that to get a big Mm -hmm. return Mm -hmm. it didn't present itself i think that it's out there enough now where teams know pablo's on the market i do think that there it's 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 a likely chance that he gets traded in the offseason if they're not going to spend they're going to see that as one of the only ways they can bring in a a needle moving bat is by trading pablo lopez yeah the problem with it is that they're Pablo Lopez has never finished the season, right? So there, unfortunately, there is the, the, the risk of him getting injured in, it later towards this season. We've seen his last couple starts haven't been excellent. You know, the, the production's tailing off. Mm-hmm. Could that be because of the the, the grind of a full 162-game season taking its toll? I don't know. I love Pablo, and I, I, I love him. And if he's on this team, I'm fine with it. I'm perfect with it. Like, there's nothing wrong with having Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez on the same team. Like, you're not going to be mad about that. No the way. problem is that the reason why you start to get mad is because they're not getting the run support. And the fact that we've put ourselves in a position where the only way to get run support is to trade. One of them is that's where really therein lies the rub. That's the problem. So was I upset? No, Jordan Groshans. he he seems like a good player. He's, he's having a good season in AAA now with us. That's fun. But, you know, I thought maybe they could have capitalized on guys like Stephen O'Kurt, you know, moving him. Mm-hmm. If, but if nothing presented itself at the same time, like, who am I to be upset that they're keeping a guy who's been solid out of the bullpen in a weak bullpen, you know? So Agreed. fine. But it, it it's really, I guess what happens on like Marlins Twitter and the reason why some people may be more upset and reasonably is because when you start to imagine what the Marlins have to do in the off season to put themselves in a spot to compete, it sounds like such an outrageously large task, it right? Does. And it is because if you're not going to spend it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You, you can make some trades and make yourself a good team, but we're not the Rays. We're we're not we're not going to just f- like finagle our way into a playoff spot with crazy management and next level analytics. Like we're not going to do that. We're no. not going to do that. So that's where then you as a fan start to say like, "And we could have gotten started on this little mini rebuild here this offseason. You know, traded mm-hmm. a guy like Coop and got in a high level bat and." You know, look, I wanted Miguel Vargas from the from the Dodgers, you know, but it, it didn't work out. He didn't open himself up in a trade. Something happened. And that's why I see like the, the outrage on Twitter because of that. Right. But I guess me, like in my negative, like realist kind of brain, I don't expect us to compete next year either. No, you know what I mean? So I I, I don't blame them for not like pulling the plug on Pablo and just trading him at the first thing that comes up. So was I underwhelmed? Yes. Especially there, that final 30 minutes of the deadline, it looked like it was, oh, it was, my God, it, it, was, it was, was just it. Yankees, Dodgers are, are in on Pablo, it's getting close, oh, my God, yeah. and then, bang, nothing happens. <laughs> no, like, it was just one of those, like, oh, what do you mean nothing happened? Like, I was so excited, I was I was already telling my my friend Adrian to start Photoshopping Anthony Volpe in Marlins uniforms, like, what's going on here? And nothing happened. Yeah, you know, know. so, overall, yeah, underwhelming but the task to build a competitor going into next year seems so tall and so unrealistic that to me, I'm like, why, why rush and trade Pablo? Like if you're going to build a, a competitor next year, it's going to have to come from money and calculated moves. And let's just say, I don't have much faith
0: in them to do that. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me ask you this one then. Yeah. Where the Marlins find a way to go and get Brian Reynolds from the pirates they do yep and to be honest with you i still believe that brian reynolds will end up as a marlin i I do truly believe that that is a really likely situation and reynolds his his control will continue to tick down and maybe that that will then balance itself with the marlins uh with with their you know their price they're willing to pay problem for the fish is (laughs) as the time ticks along their farm starts to deplete as well guys are regressing in the farm. They're getting hurt in the farm. They're actually moving it to the major league level and underwhelming. This is the problem now. The farm is starting to, it's no longer a top five farm now, in my opinion. There's other teams that are miles better now. And the Marlins, all their top prospects, you know, you've drafted Khalil Watson. Went in as the number one prospect. Khalil Watson, next thing is, he's snipering umpires. <laughs> like, there's insane stuff going on with him. You've drafted um, Jacob Berry this time around as your number one pick. He's already like the sixth, seventh prospect, so a lot of people are out on him. You know, you've got Max Meyer is down now for missing a whole year. Okay, is coming back. So this farm that a year ago was a top five farm seemingly, or close to, I think it has gone backwards and now is maybe still sitting in the top ten, but back end of that. Uh, maybe even that's, that's being nice as well, I guess. This is kind of at the heart of the thing is like, Maybe we're, as Marlins fans, overestimating at times the the talent that they have there. Because oh, the can't. development just isn't there. That's the problem. The, the, the hitting development is so weak in this farm. And that's the fundamental problem for the Marlins. And always has been for the past however many years. Five, six, I don't know, since I followed the team. But I've gone off on a bit of a rant on the farm. But I think it's it was worthwhile. Nevertheless, the point I was making was, Brian Reynolds, they get a deal done. One of the young controllable arms has to go, a multiple of them perhaps, and maybe Khalil Watson. They think bollocks to it. Let's just pull the trigger. Okay, so Reynolds is in now in Miami. Plug center field solves the problem. Avi and Soler are still around. We know that. Bladé is still around too, and I think Bladé looks like he has the chance to be a major league hitter in my opinion, from what I've seen in the small sample size. Okay, you then go and get Josh Bell, perhaps a you know free agency. So you add in Bell. You got Reynolds. I do think. The, and it was it was interesting, I was talking to Will Manso about this um, on yesterday's episode, that if you layer in more talent around an Avisel Garcia, for example, and he isn't the focal point and has to be the guy, I think Avisel Garcia could well bounce back and rebound next year. But he needs the protection around him. He needs Josh Bell to be hitting. He needs Brian Reynolds to be set at the table. Uh, but I do start to think and look at that and go, maybe there is an offense there. But the problem then... I look across the town that we've just we've just been playing the Bravos and being spanked by them. The Bravos are miles ahead of the Marlins, even if they go and get Reynolds and they get Bell. You look at those rosters; they they're not even in the same stratosphere. The Braves are so far ahead, and yeah. that's your point. The task is huge, but if they get Reynolds and they get Bell, are they in the mix? Are they in the mix at all, or are they? You know, are you in line with my thinking?
1: <laughs> I don't I don't I mean I in the mix yeah I don't see why not they they were in the mix for a good chunk of this year with this roster underperforming you know what I yeah, mean there, there was a time there where we were three games back of the wild card with Garcia and Soler both hitting low two hundreds, almost below 200 with yep. Stallings completely regressed true jazz hurt yeah I, I do think so they, they'll be in, in the mix yes playoff spot things bounce our way a couple things go our way yes I they could um I do agree with you, by the way. This farm system is just not as good anymore, right? It, no teams do not hold our farm system in the same regard they did last year. You know, Agreed. the fact of the matter is that Eddie Perez is is the best prospect we have, and I'm extremely high on him. I love him. I don't care about his four one eighty RA. He's like ten years old in double A. Give the kid a break, all right? Yep. Like he's amazing. But Khalil Watson is underperformed. Six Sanchez is nowhere to be found. Max Meyer just had Tommy John. Jake Eater hasn't thrown a pitch this year. Uh, Le'Win Díaz isn't even a prospect anymore. Don't know why I'm talking about him. Peyton Burdick, he, he, he's he's to me he's like Monty Harrison. Really, like that, that's what he is. He can't flashy ass tools, but he can't hit the ball. Um, you know, to me the best prospects in this system offensively are Yidi Gape and and Jose Salas. So those are the ones I'm really high on. Mm. But they're a long ways away. You know, yeah. both 18, 19 years old. He might be like 20 or I think, or like late into his year 19th.
0: Can I add one other just on that theme? Can I just add Naz Nunez into this um, bracket too? Like I do like him too, um, but he's, 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 look, he's doing real well in double A. He's walking at like 18%. He's got
1: outstanding speed and elite defense. Mm. I like him. I do. I I hope he can get, put the ball in play more and, and and develop some gap power there and and he can turn into a legit prospect. And then also, you know, Troy Johnston is someone that doesn't get a lot of love because he was never a flashy prospect. But he's one of those guys that, like, all he's done in the minors is hit. Like, you look at his fangraphs page, and it's just every year in the minors, in and out, he's hitting, he's hitting, he's hitting, he's hitting. And Mm -hmm. he's up to AAA already. He's someone I really like, but he's just never had the flashy tools of speed, power, all this stuff. But the guy hits, he doesn't strike out a lot, can hit bombs. I love him. Paul McIntosh, as a catcher, has turned into, like, a splendid little surprise. A marvelous Twitter favorite. But it's just that the high ranking guys, yeah, it just hasn't bounced our way. You know, Max Meyer, it stinks that he's gotten hurt. Jake Eater is someone who I still am high on, but Mm -hmm. he hasn't thrown a pitch in a year. Is the team gonna want to trade from without having seen him throw? Sixto is he's throwing. I I, I don't know if I'm like in the Truman show where it's just like, am I being pranked? Because every day I think I read about a live bullpen, and I don't know how much longer he can just throw live bullpens. He's going to the live bullpen hall of fame at this point. So I don't know what else I'm going to be, if I'm ever going to see him again, I don't know if he's alive. (laughs) So the fact of the matter is that the the farm has underperformed. They have a lot of young, young, young guys like 17, 18, 19 year olds that are really hitting well, Mm. but they're, they're far away. They're not, some of them aren't even ranked prospects, you know, fish, uh, fish on the farm. Fantastic fantastic job, Marlins Miners he, he he without him I wouldn't know about any of these guys but he's constantly yeah. tweeting highlights, Daniel DeVivo who also does a great job of it and I'm able to learn about these like 16, 17 18 year olds that are killing it you know, but as a fan you don't really get excited for those guys until they're 20, 21 and they're doing it in double A and you're like exactly. okay we got something here Yeah. so the farms like just it, it's not like around the league I guess that they are not, it's held in such high regard because teams know that our development is good you know, and, and anything they get from there could be damaged goods in the way they've been taught. Look at yeah. the Dodgers. The Dodgers just called up Miguel Vargas. He's their fifth-ranked prospect, and I think he would be our best hitter in our farm system. And that's a team that's already won 80 games, I and they're, they've spent $230 million. That is a baseball organization. That well, is I mean, how you do it. You spend the money, you make the trades, you develop the players, you do it all. The Marlins barely do any of it. So
0: you Frustratingly know, as well, you know the division rival Braves are starting to get into this this arena too. In my opinion, they're starting they to actually spend the money now as well. Yeah, Austin Riley are. with the big I mean, extension, Grissom's up hitting bombs, Harris is hitting bombs. I mean, I can't believe it's painful, isn't it? Racunia's is so doing a 98 minute trot around the the bases oh after a God. home run. Oh, that to Tommy Nance, a Tommy Nance bomb, and he's he's
1: 98 minutes. You know around what, the bases. At this point, it's it's obviously something with the Marlins, obviously. And you know what? I, I I am I an Acuna fan. No, I love what he does for baseball. I think he's great for the game. But at the same time, like, he it's obviously something personal. And, you know, at this point, he's got a grudge off for the Marlins. I got to respect it because I hold grudges too. So <laughs> credit to him, you know. But like the Braves, well, I, I saw the tweet. What is it? It's like it's Matt Olson, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, and, uh, and Austin Riley. They're all locked up for like 40 million, 50 million a year for the next like seven years. Exactly. That's crazy. That's lunacy. Like the fact that Acuna is making ten million, Albies is making like four dollars because of the contract he signed, and then Ol- Olson and Riley, like it's unfair. That's what I, I like. How you said it, they're just on a completely different level. They're playing a different ball game. Like they're front office, and I won't say GM because it seems like a slight towards Kim Ang, but in order to spend that money, you need an owner that's going to say, "Yeah, spend that money." Yeah. I don't know if Bruce Sherman's telling Kim Ang that, right? So they are front office. They're all on the same page. They're in unison, and they're making the tough decisions. They made the tough decision to let Freeman walk. They brought him in Olsen. They're playing, like, 4-D chess. They're seeing everything so clearly. AJ Preller with the Padres, you know, those are GMs. Those are ownerships. Those are front office groups that are just all in on winning. And we're trying to do it, like, we're, we're going bargain bin shopping here, like, trying to win... And it's just not the way it
0: works. You know they're they're ah, playing a
1: completely different ball
0: game. It is. It's it's a completely different ball game. You can see it a mile off like the comparisons there is no comparison. It's painful. Final ads, and then we'll just kind of wrap things up because uh, you know me and you could go a long time. And this is a brand new ad. First read for me. So, you know, bear with me guys, but I think you'll recognize this one. I've seen it on the on the TV before. So, you're hanging out with some friends and putting a few drinks back. Yes sir. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, nah, you're going to live nearby, you can make it home okay, it's no big deal. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Insurance goes up, lose your license, lose your job, total your car, you kill someone, I don't know. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone I mean, where's the bill, <laughs> boss?
1: Oh boy, they? they, they, they really have some target audience here with Marlins fans who
0: are uh, who might be drowning their sorrows. These are targeted ads. No other, no other Locked On uh, MLB uh, host has got these ads. They're specifically me. <laughs> they've, they've seen, they've seen the wine consumption going up. You know, historically bad as well, and uh, they know the Marlins fans are in pain. But nevertheless. You know, it's it's gonna be a very interesting offseason. A wild offseason, I think, because there's so many holes and decisions, I think, that remain for the fish. Like, we still have the same holes that were there from last time. Center field's still a problem, it's not been solved. Closer, still a problem not being solved. So they're still on the list. However, the infield in its entirety, including first base, is all now for me up for debate. Everyone's a free agent in 2023 that's there right now. So they're gonna have to make some calls. And I just feel like all of a sudden that infield that's been like the core for the fish for the past few years, you know, hey, Miggy Rowe, BA, Cooper Loop, these like three dudes, it wouldn't shock me if all three of them are gone sooner rather than later and they just go, Do you know what, let's just kinda go a different direction here, let's get younger, let's get faster. I don't know, with BA, his shoulder, Miggy's still elite defensively, we can't get away from that, but you know, offensively it's regressed there what they want to go after but I don't know mate there's just so much to do there just feels like so much to do and I'm just not convinced that the Marlins can get it done in one off season. like it feels like this is another three, three windows worth of activity plus yeah. <sighs> tell me I'm wrong
1: I don't think you are <laughs> I don't oh, think boy. you are and, and again it, it's the only way you accelerate the process is by spending money Yeah. If you're not going to spend money and you look to do everything through trades and development, you're going to swing on miss on guys. Like we obviously have, and it's, it's going to slow down that process. Right. Uh, I, I, I love jazz, obviously. Right. Jazz is, is a cornerstone, but the injury concerns now it's two years in a row where he's been held out because of injury. And you have to, I love him. One of my favorite players on the team, favorite position player, what he does for the city and his personality and all that, it, outweighs everything right but you'd love to see him finish a season play 130 140 games yeah. and I think he will I I think he can you know I just hope we get to see it right but mm-hmm. there's no question that he is our second baseman Agreed. Miguel Rojas I mean I'm I'm just I I don't I'm I can't like I, I I can't lie anymore I just don't like watching him play like I think his offense is so 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 limited he yeah. doesn't have power. He doesn't have speed. You know, he he's great defensively. Always has been. That's not a, That's not. It's not like I just hate him. Just always great defensively. Just can't hit. You just can't hit on a team that needs hitting. You know what I mean? At best, he's a utility guy that can get that can come in late and and provide elite defense. And I know he'll fucking hear this and he'll lose his mind and he'll unblock me just to block me again. Whatever. <laughs> I, I can't hold back anymore. The guy doesn't like me. You know, he he doesn't like a lot of people. Or whatever whatever, um, you know Brian Anderson. It's kind of it's always one of those things for Brian Anderson. I've I've always loved Brian Anderson because of the the the, the ceiling he shows hmm. of elite defense, cannon of an arm, hits for a ton of power. And when he's going, he's going. He's yep. up there. Yep. But at this point, it's it's the guy is almost I don't even know how old he is. I think he's getting close to thirty. You have to come to the reality that he kind of just is what he is. Right. Yep. He's a guy that's gonna. And look, this is a uh, Mike Picardi who on Twitter who's fantastic. He, he's someone I really love. His takes always level-headed, and he's the one that says he's like Brian Anderson just is what he is at this point. He's yeah. a guy that's going to give you really good stints, and then he's a guy that's just, he's super consistent, provides great defense, ton of power. Obviously, as he's injury-prone as well, and that's what he is. You can't rely on that a guy like that to be your World Series-winning third baseman at this point, and it sucks because I do love Brian Anderson, but. It's the same thing. He's capped. You know, Anderson, Rojas is capped offensively because of lack of power and speed. Anderson's capped offensively because of inconsistencies
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and the way he can't hit a breaking ball. You know, things like that. Garrett Cooper. I think Garrett Cooper is what he is, too. He's a good hitter. And I don't mind keeping him as a first baseman DH. His defense isn't the best, Mm -hmm. but he is what he is like he's not making a ton of money you have a year of control left on him and he has a 750 760 ops he stayed healthy this year which is what was one of our biggest concerns and he yeah. proved us right when healthy he could be a good hitter should he be the driving force of your offense absolutely not he no. should be a, you know a back end type of bat that can drive in runs and he's a good option to have jazz should he be the driving force of your offense you shouldn't rely on him to do it can he when he's going With the speed and power, yes, he could. But, again, you shouldn't let Jazz stop you from going out and bringing in a star-studded shortstop, a star-studded third baseman. That's the way I think about it. None of these guys are elite at their position, so, therefore, it shouldn't stop you from seeking a better replacement. Now, if I was prioritizing all that, I would say center field, shortstop, third base, and first base. You know, those are the four. i I'm Before I'm even looking at Jazz's position, because I love what Jazz can do when healthy, and I think he deserves another chance, another year to, to do it. Obviously. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't I don't think there's anyone saying get rid of jazz. But I would look at those four positions before I'm looking at anything else. And if there's an upgrade available through trade, you do it. And if if Bruce Sherman magically wakes up and says, you know what, let me go out there and spend money, then you do that too. But, Absolutely. but I don't think there's anyone that's safe on this team other than like Jazz and sandy i don't think you're getting any major needle moving return for cooper you know because a team's not going to give you a high a team's not going to say here let me give you a high-end prospect bat that's going to be like perform next year for garrett cooper like why are they going to do that why are they going to trade a bat for an aging bat it's just not going to happen the way i see it cooper's on this team too so those are the three guys that are kind of have a spot on next year's team everyone else if you can move them if you can move on do it I do think Garcia and Soledad will be back because of contract issues. They're just unmovable. And you mm-hmm. just got to hope that they have better
0: years. I'm with you on that. I completely agree on, on the two corner guys. They'll be back. Um, the, the problem now when we piece this together is all of the infield needs to be upgraded because in reality, it is below average in the main offensively too. And there's mm-hmm. obviously some health concerns and they're all you know approaching um, contracts ending in various ways. So that's a problem. The minor leagues at the upper levels, to go back to that conversation, that thread, well, there's not a ton of talent that's major league ready within the infield either. We've got this big gap now down to the lower levels where there's some really exciting, fun guys coming, but you're four years away. So all of a sudden, you've got a ton of problems just that are on the horizon, sitting there where pretty much the whole roster needs to be turned over. There's nothing there at AAA to supplement it. And no one wants to spend any dough. Oh boy, this, this is this is, and this is why now we're on this thread today, where I'm at, I'm talking about Sandy Alcantara, asking about his incentives linked to Cy Young, because I was interested. Like he signed his extension, has he got any incentives baked into it? Craig, as he does, because he knows these things, popped up. Went Pete, no, no incentives there. Nothing was available for Sandy. Okay, cool. Next thing is a whole Twitter thing breaks out, you know, talking about do the Marlins need to trade Sandy Alcantara to kind of turn this team around? Because, to your point, no one carries the value that you need to go out and make a franchise-altering move. Yep. And that's kind of the... We're in... Like, it's a realistic option. Like, to kind of come full circle, we talked about Sandy at the start, like, we want him to win the side. He will win the side. But, big Giancarlo Stanton, he won MVP, and what happened next? He was out of the door. There was a different reason why But the Marlins have got form for that and Sandy Alcantara is a needle mover in terms of a package you can get back. It feels like we've been down that path again. How disappointed would you be to see Sandy traded if it was to be, you know, if if they made that happen in the offseason? Would you understand?
1: Would I understand? Knowing what I know about baseball and I know now more, I know more now than I did three, four years ago than I did two years ago. I've, mm. I've read up on these things and I've done extreme research into the way uh, uh, revenue sharing works with how much these teams really have. Mm. I would, yes, I would be disappointed. I know how these baseball teams work. I know how, how much money they have and how much baseball teams no owner in baseball is actively losing money (laughs) no No, bruce sherman isn't here in 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 his office like why am i losing money no he's always got a profit he's always got his made sure like he he knows he's got his money and and would i be disappointed yes because it should never have to come to that Mm -hmm. should never have to come to now in terms of value and the way it'll be painted yeah it makes sense yeah you mean three years of control? A guy who's making twelve million AAV for a Cy Young Award winner? That's the best value in all of baseball. That's up there with Acuna's contract. Yeah. So yes, you would be getting more in return for him than you would possibly, and like that would be like a top three return ever in Marlins history. Mm-hmm. Should it have to come to that? Oh uh, no, it no. shouldn't. Because if money. you look at it, if you sold the team to an owner. That was said. I'll come in here and spend some money. It could all be fixed, you know. The rotation of you, you can make it work with a rotation of Sandy, Pablo, Lizardo, Cabrera, and then uh, Braxton Garrett or Jake Eater or Max Meyer or, or, or we'll throw Sixto in there. I don't know. You you can you can piece together a really good rotation there, a top ten, top fifteen rotation, and with the correct money spent, you know, with let's say Garrett Cooper and 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 Sandy Acant, uh, Sandy Acant, the Jazz Chism. You can go out there and and and, and blow some money on guys that, that, that'll that help move the needle offensively. And you you kickstart this process, right? But it's also not that simple, right? It's never no. just money. Because no. look at the Dodgers. Look at the Braves. What else did they do? You know, Dansby Swanson, he gets hurt or a player gets hurt. What do the Braves do? They call it Von Grisham. What does Von Grisham do? He's got two home runs, like in four games. He's hitting like 300. He does exactly what he's always done. Where does that come from? Development. And it's like, what did you hear Jeter saying when he bought the team? We are going to build a sustainable winner year in, year out. At every single level, we're going to be competitive and produce championship quality baseball. And that is what we don't have. You know what I mean? So back to your main point, trading Sandy. Can I see it happening? 100%. 100%. It's it's the way us Marlins fans have always lived our lives, right? We don't know how long. It's why I lost my mind in the All-Star Game when Dodgers fans were like, why are you crying? Sandy's young. And it's because I know that there's a real possibility that Sandy gets traded and he's starting the All-Star Game for the Yankees in two years. And I'm going to be sitting there, miserable, chain-smoking cigarettes, drowning my sorrows and saying I didn't get to see him start an All-Star Game for us and we traded him and we're back to square one, right? There's a world where, in this ownership group, that's not going to spend. The only way they're able to kickstart a, a rebuild is by trading away guys like Jazz and Sandy. Obviously, Jazz doesn't have that value now, but let's say next year he's mm-hmm. an All Star again and he's healthy. Yeah, who knows what they do? Who yeah. knows what they do? You know, it's 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 really, really, really sad. And I know fans are probably hearing this and be like, "Man, takes it so negative," mm-hmm. and and I'm just being realistic like you've seen the writing on the wall they don't plan on spending the money they've they've made the argument that the attendance is such a big issue to overcome for them and we know that with the way revenue sharing works these teams got hundreds of millions of dollars in in revenue sharing and in MLB's eyes they want these guys to spend that money right that's the whole dream it's the money gets cycled to the poorer teams the poorer teams spend that money on a payroll they get a a, a better team Every all a a, a rising tide lifts all boats, you know, that's what their vision is. Mm -hmm. These teams will get that revenue sharing, they'll spend money in an ideal world. They proposed a a salary floor of a hundred million and they did it for a reason because they know it's possible. Yeah, but the ownership will tell you it's not possible. Look at our attendance, look at our crowd. It's just not possible. It's not possible. It's possible. Don't lie to us. I I know it is. Teams will eat it up because it's easy, right? The easy one, two thing to put together in your head is. Empty stadium equals no money equals no good players. It's that simple. People scream at Miami, say it's not a sports town. It is a sports town, guys. It's just that we're also an entertainment town. If you're not as entertaining as the next best thing in Miami, why am I going to go to you to watch a boring baseball game? Okay, I could go to Komodo and have great Japanese food. I can go to Poppy Steak and have an excellent filet mignon. I can go down to the beach and see beautiful weather and waves. I can watch the stars. I can go to a nightclub. I can do all these other things rather than sit there for three and a half hours and watch a team score three or less runs for 15 straight games. Mm. Sorry. Sorry if it hurts your feelings, ownership. I know that you're lying to me and telling me you don't have money. It's there. You're just not going to spend it because you want to secure your own first. You're trying to get me to go games. You're trying to get 20,000 fans a night to games, but you have to earn that respect first. That's just the way it works. The fans don't go to games, so you spend money. You spend money, so you get fans to go to games. And if you don't want to buy into that theory, then sell the team, get out, let's get the next guy in here, and let's try again. Because at this point, Bruce Sherman's not the guy, and that's it.
0: That's it. It's a... It's a perfect summary of the situation, mate. So I applaud you for that, firstly. Yep. And <clears throat> I'm going to share this clip. Wide and far, and I think there'll be a lot of people in agreement of what you've just said there. I completely agree. Two final ones, because we're out of time. Why did Miguel Rojas block you, by the way, on Twitter?
1: Listen, I, I again, similar to, I've told you, I don't have sources. but I know things. I know things. I have people that tell me things. I know things. Like it's, but I don't have like a legit source. I don't, right? I know that there's a a faction of players in the Marlins that don't like me. Okay. I know that there's people on Twitter that don't like me. I know there's people that cover the team that don't like me. And they're probably listening to this and they're saying, how does he know I don't like him? Because they know who they are. You know what I mean? Um, And the fact of the matter is Miguel Rojas is more online than we think he is. He's reading everything that people say on Twitter. And he's reading things that I say on Twitter. He's he's listening to what I'm telling you right now. I'm almost certain of it. And if he's not listening to the whole episode, someone's sending him a snippet of me saying he sucks with the bat in his hands. And tell you what, if you're that person sending it to him, send him this as well. Miguel Rojas, you suck with the bat in your hands. Okay? That's just the, the fact of the matter. Um, he He's very online. He sees the things we say. He hardly has more people blocked than anyone else on Marlins Twitter. You know, there's there's other players that read our tweets. There, there's I've heard from other people that there are players that laugh at my tweets. And I'm like, that's crazy because I've said something bad about almost everyone on the team. But I hope that no matter what, and if there's a player listening to this or if there's a member of the front office li- listening to this, I promise you that everything I say is out of my love for the team, my love for the Marlins. 20 plus years I've stuck around with how bad it's been. You know what I mean and 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 the truth is that look at Twitter and I I always applaud everyone on Twitter. I applaud you, Pete, for the work you do. Craig Mish for the work they do, everyone that covers the team. And the fact of the matter is that the Marlins could use more fans like me, like you, like the people on Twitter because we're what moves things in in terms of like attendance numbers and stuff like that because with how bad the Marlins have been, there's times where I look at it and I'm like, man, 10,000 people went to see it like that's crazy to me that's a lot because (laughs) I don't know why anyone would want to see it you know what I mean everything I say I know I'm a lunatic on Twitter and people probably read my tweets and like this guy has to be in prison but (laughs) everything I do comes from a a, a passionate standpoint as someone who's always wanted to see my team win a championship I sit down and watch every game with my dad me and my dad all we've ever wanted was to watch another championship hopefully one day we will everything comes from a standpoint of love and and like passion for the team that I root for. You know, I hope they realize that. I hope everyone, mm-hmm. if I ever met Miguel Rojas in person, I would go up to him and shake his hand and be like, oh my God, you play for my favorite baseball team. Like, you're not that good with the bat in your hands, but like <laughs> you've done like such good things for this or- like this community. You love my city. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, I would I, I, it's, I'm It's. i not saying anything I probably like wouldn't say in person. Would I call Abisayu see a terrorist to his face? Probably not. But like at the same time, Pete, like I, you perform good and I'll love you. You perform bad and I'll hate you as a baseball player. But I'm sure that all these guys go home. They have families. They're great people. They're law-abiding citizens. All of that stuff. They're great people. I know they are. I know Miguel Rojas has a family. He has a beautiful son. Who he's teaching to play baseball. All that stuff. And and he's a great guy. A hundred percent. I mean that. Mm-hmm. But I'm a fan. I, I I tweet about what I see as a fan. It could be Jazz striking out. I, jazz has struck out and I've said, Jazz, man, what the hell was that? That, that You look like me up there. You know what I mean? Like it, Everyone can can get like criticized and everyone can get loved. And that's the way it is. And I know it's not fair. I know as an athlete, you're like, why is people, people, people being so mean to me? Like I'm just trying to do my job. I don't like sucking. And I know mm-hmm. Miguel Rojas doesn't like, like being bad with the bat. I know my, Brian Anderson doesn't like being hurt. I know it all. But I'm an exaggerative fan who is just trying to entertain other fans exactly no that's my mindset my mindset has always been i i i love this organization i love this team and i root for them wholeheartedly but at the end of the day pete let me ask you this Mm -hmm. three four different owners in marlin's history 10 15 20 different coaches thousands of players thousands of training staff general managers front office concessions stadiums And through it all, who's been there? Us. The fans. The people on Twitter that are screaming. The people on Twitter and their parents. They're the ones that have been here. And that's where my loyalty lies. I'm always going to try and make the fans laugh. I'm always going to try and tell them how I see it. And that's all it is. Like, those are the people I truly love and respect because they've stuck around through this. I'm not going to curse much because this is locked on. Love you, locked on. Through (laughs) this trash fire of an organization, this garbage dump. They've stuck around, and that's who my main loyalty is lying to. Because at the end of the day, one day Miguel Rojas will be gone from this organization, and he won't care anymore. And who will be there? Me,
0: you, tweeting through it all. Exactly. That's where my loyalties lie. We certainly will be, mate. That was a stunning answer, by the way, as well. I really enjoyed that, and I hope I hope. When it was long. (laughs) Mate, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with that whatsoever. (laughs) <laughs> You're too nice to me, Pete. You gotta tell me to shut up when I go too long. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I enjoyed that. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed just you getting it off your chest. Like you said, you've had it pent up for months, so I'm glad to tell could. you that. The, the thing is, though, mate, as well, this is the beautiful thing, right? This is why I like it when you go into this mode because there'll be tons of people. And I know exactly how many people listen to it because I get the stats, so I can see and I know exactly how many people. Yeah. Are, and it's it's more than you'd expect, actually. Yeah, and yeah, I'm sure it is. People are tuning in here. And they're listening and going, that's exactly how I feel. I feel exactly the same way. And people will feel the same. At the end of the day, from a Twitter perspective, it's entertainment. We're there for fun. We're not reporters. We're not media. We're there to have fun.
1: There's people that disagree with everything I say. But no matter what, the one thing we have in common is that we both just want to see the team win. We're both just as passionate about it. I guarantee you, even the ultra optimistic, positive fans aren't cheering when Garcia strikes out and things like that happen, right? Like, we all want the same thing. It's why, like, you see me beef with people on Twitter, but at the end of the day, even those people, I'd be willing to meet in person and bet we have a lot more in common than you think. Like, at the end of the day, it really is all love for like all Marlins fans. We're all rooting for the same team. We're all in this together, hoping
0: that one day we're good. Probably won't happen, but whatever. <laughs> Probably won't. With that being said, I think that's the perfect time to sign off. The uh, That's been an absolutely stunning episode. And a lengthy one, which is par for the course. You know if takes is in the house, you know we're going to go long on runtime. There was two wonderful always, ads mixed in there. I always got a lot to get off my chest. I've got one final one for you, though, and it's a one-name answer. So okay. It's simple. Your favorite non-Uri Perez prospect at the Marlin system right now. It's between two, Irikabe and Jose Salas.
1: I'm Cuban. I'll say Irikabe. That's my answer. Perfect. Perfect. And just in case he's listening, my second favorite, Paul McIntosh. I love you, Paul McIntosh. I love you, Paul McIntosh. He's my he's second always, favorite.
0: He's always listening. He definitely yeah. is. so yes We know it. All right, then, guys. That is us done with Locked On Marlins, not forever, but just on this Wednesday episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. And I've, I appreciate Kenny takes a mate hopping on, giving us his time, his thoughts, his honesty and openness. And yes. I've really enjoyed it, and I hope you guys have too. So here's what we got next, just to tease it out. We're back tomorrow. It's a daily pod, so you know the drill. We're back, and it's Thursday's episode. Who have we got queued up? Another Marlins Twitter goat making his debut. Alex Ferrer is in the house tomorrow. Oh so my that one, God. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> that one could be wild. I am not gonna lie. So Thursday's episode, Alex Ferrer on his debut for Locked on Marlins. If you don't know who he is, go and search it up. I'm sure you will. And he is he is equally as hysterical as takes. I think the two of them are a perfect tandem on Twitter, and uh, I think they love rubbing I love people Alex. In the wrong place.
1: Yeah. I love that. He's he's funnier than I am, honestly. I like he, he is. He's the best.
0: <laughs> so that's queued up for Thursday. And then just to kind of tease ahead again, Friday's episode, guys, we're rounding it off big style as well. Loud Marlins fan is back in as well. So we'll be looking forward to that. We'll get all the rundown about the the, uh, the trade deadline, Jazz Chisholm being moved, yes or no. I mean, we're going to get all sorts of takes from Loud Marlins fan, of course. So, uh, Kenny, you're an absolute stud, a legend. I love you. It's been a fun, fun episode and conversation Uh, We'll be back tomorrow, like I mentioned, with Alex Ferrer, and that could be wild. So make sure you tune in for that one. In the meantime, guys, be back tomorrow.